Blog Talk Radio. Second, 2016 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, and this is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism uniquely upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and I will call your attention to the intro music that you just heard. It's a song called Mace. For those of you who don't know, and the band is called the Jezebels, J-E-Z-A-B-E-L-S. They're from Australia, and the reason I'm calling your attention to that today is that they are about to kick off their United States tour in support of their latest album, Cynthia. So if you know you're interested in checking out this band that I really like, and I don't know if you know again if you've been following me for a long time. You know that a couple of years ago, I interviewed the lead singer of the Jezebels. Her name is Haley Mary, and that she herself has read Atlas Shrugged and, uh, you know, actually called Dagny Taggart a badass. <laughs> Hope you can say that on the air. So I do recommend checking them out. Just go to thejezebels.com or you can follow them on social media, et cetera. So do check that out. Maybe uh go to a live show near you. They do put on a very good live show as well. So go over to the blog at don'tletitgo.com. This is the second show that I'm doing in this week. I'm really trying to get this two-show-a-week thing up and running in addition to all the other things I have going on in my life. It's a bit of a struggle for me, I have to admit, but I am excited to bring a second show to you today in particular because I would like to talk about Barack Obama inserting himself into the last-ditch effort to save Hillary Clinton's candidacy. As many of you know, if you listen to either my show earlier this week or all the stuff that's going on in the news media, there has been a lot going on that has not been helping Hillary Clinton very much, and her candidacy is at risk. Latest thing that I've got over here... And, you know, again, there's all kinds of stats and stuff going around out there, but I got this from the Washington Post. Yes, Donald Trump can win. Here are four maps that prove it. And they say two things that may seem contradictory at first are true of this election campaign in its final days. One, Donald Trump is making up ground on Hillary Clinton. Two, Hillary Clinton still has a solid hold on the 270 electoral votes that she needs to be elected president. How solid is her nominee 
uh, you know, the Democratic nominee's grip, her grip on the 270. Let's fiddle around with the electoral map, and then they go ahead and took a look at it. There's one scenario, actually four different scenarios, where Trump could get the 270 and Clinton would fall short. And they give you a, you know, a few different ways that this could happen. So one in which Trump would get 272, another one in which he can get 273, another one in which two of them, both of them, would get 269. And they say, yes, that could actually happen. I guess throw it to the House. And then another one, uh, another option. So two different options in which both of the candidates would get only 269 electoral votes, and then it would be interesting to throw it to the House. Notably, in any of the scenarios that they play out here in the Washington Post, and in particular in those last two scenarios when each candidate gets only 269 electoral college votes, none of those involve a third-party candidate taking any of those. So it's not that they're projecting that the third-party candidate is actually going to have an effect on it. I've talked to you guys about the fact that I've been considering voting for Gary Johnson in this election simply because he is a decent person. And given what's been going on in this election with the other two candidates, being a decent person seems to count for a lot. I've had a little bit of qualms about doing it lately, right? It doesn't really matter what I do in my state, right? I'm in California And my state's going to go for Hillary Clinton no matter what. And Hillary Clinton is going to secure those 55 electoral college votes. However, if I vote for Gary Johnson, I might help him and Bill Weld achieve the 5% that is a threshold and, you know, which according to them that I'm getting in their elect, you know, their election emails, I'm actually on their list. I get emails from them. A couple things would happen if they get the 5%. First of all, I gather that the Libertarian nominee would be guaranteed a position on the ballot in all 50 states next time. And then second, the thing that would happen is that there's a certain amount of funding, automatic funding in support of the campaign that the Libertarian candidate would get next time. Now, I'm not necessarily against the libertarian candidate being on the ballot in all 50 states automatically next time without having to do the legwork. You know, this time they had to do legwork in order to achieve that. What I'm wondering is whether I should be eager to have the libertarian party nominee next time funded with taxpayer dollars. Is that something that I should try to help the libertarian party achieve? That's kind of my little qualm. And you guys can call me and tell me what you think about that, whether that's something that I should take seriously or not. I mean, in today's context, there is a certain amount of money that candidates are going to get from the government. I guess it's $10 million. And if the Libertarian Party candidate gets it, should I be upset? I mean, if the Democrats and the Republicans are Obviously, given my own philosophical beliefs, I adhere to Rand's philosophy objectivism. I would like to see the nascent capitalist party, American capitalist party, do something in the next election cycle. And would I like to see the libertarian party get the leg up in terms of, you know, in terms of millions of dollars of funding that the American capitalist party would not have access to, right? This is the sort of thing that I'm thinking about in my 
little last minute, my last ditch effort. I'm not voting for Donald Trump. I am not voting for Hillary Clinton. We'll talk a little bit about why I wouldn't vote for Hillary Clinton, because there have been people who have, you know, put forth arguments, and in particular, Jonathan Honig puts forth a strong argument in favor of voting for Hillary Clinton. Uh, we'll, I'll talk about that. In a way, I've got this luxury of being in California where I wouldn't have to vote for Hillary Clinton for Hillary Clinton to win my state. But I still think even if I was in a swing state that I would not vote for Hillary Clinton. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about some reasons why I wouldn't do that. If you go over to the chat room at Blog Talk Radio, you can participate in the discussion. And you can also do that by phoning in today. And the phone number to call is 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. And if you do want to talk to me, tell me what you're thinking in this last stretch. Well, we got six days until the election. Uh, I'd be eager to hear it. And if you do want to talk to me, make sure you press the one button if you're sitting there in the queue, and then I'll go ahead and see that you do want to participate in the discussion and not just listen online. You know, I'm also on social media out there, and sometimes I try to follow things a little bit while I'm on air, but, you know, following the chat room and the Twitter and some of the social media is distracting for me sometimes. I can't keep up with all of it, but I will try to do my best. So yeah, I'm over on Twitter at Amy Peacock. I'm on Facebook. You know, you can get my personal page at Amy Peacock. You can follow me there. Or I've also got a Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook that I monitor as well. So that's how you can find me. So uh, like I said, we've, there's a real chance. Apparently there's, you know, some real chance that Donald Trump can take this election in part because of the recent announcements of the reopening of the investigation into Hillary Clinton's mishandling of classified information. And this is a place in which now Barack Obama has decided to insert himself and try to protect Hillary Clinton from the damage that's being done to her candidacy because of this late stage announcement from FBI Director Comey. So we'll talk about that here. Why don't I just go ahead and actually jump in and grab that article now. What I've got is a New York Times version of the reporting here. Obama made a speech and as part of it said what is here in the headline. He says, we don't operate on incomplete information. So what is he doing here? He's criticizing FBI Director James Comey's announcement of last Friday. And remember, what did Comey do, right? Comey is informing lawmakers that there is a new bunch of potentially relevant information. It's emails from Huma Abedin, or at least that was that were in the possession of Huma Abedin, who is, you know, who was at least Hillary Clinton's right-hand woman. And also, unfortunately for her, ex-wife or soon-to-be ex-wife of Anthony Weiner. Um, boy, that guy. In any event, on his laptop, they found this trove of emails. And some of those emails may indeed end up being classified emails and may even end up being classified emails that had been deleted from Hillary Clinton's private server, in which case we're going to see 
evidence of obstruction of justice and things like this, right? So you could see that if there is, I guess, a total of 650,000 emails on this laptop and a good chunk of them were emails of Huma Abedin, then this is potentially relevant information to the FBI's investigation into Clinton's mishandling of classified information. Now, Obama is criticizing Comey for making this announcement, in effect. You know, it's to the public because the letter was made public. The letter was written to the Congress uh, that he shouldn't have done that because he has incomplete information. All he knows is that there are these emails, but he doesn't yet know. He hasn't been through the emails yet, and he doesn't know that those emails are indeed relevant And moreover, even if they're relevant, whether they are going to amount to enough extra evidence to indict Hillary Clinton. So Obama's saying, look, it's close to an election time. You should not be doing anything that's going to tamper with an election. He doesn't want Comey interfering with his candidate. A quote from Obama, we don't operate on incomplete information. He says, we don't operate on leaks. We operate based on concrete decisions that are made, end quote. Now, that's a non sequitur, if you think about it. Uh, First of all, this is not leaks, right? This is actual investigation of the FBI, that they are doing this, that they are, you know, not in effect reopening. You know, whether it's a reopening is something that's been debated around in the media. Newsweek, in that article that I covered in my Monday show, they tried to throw cold water on this and say, well, it's not like the investigation was ever closed, so this is no big deal, that the FBI is always open to new information, so what's the big deal? But, you know, it, this is, it's not a leak, right? It is basically the FBI director informing lawmakers that he is considering this additional potentially relevant evidence in this case. And then he says, we operate based on concrete concrete decisions that are made. Well, there is a concrete decision that's being made in this case, which is to look at this additional potentially relevant information and see whether it's going to provide additional evidence that justifies indicting Hillary Clinton, right? The concrete decision is to look at the information that's on this laptop in light of whether it's relevant to that investigation. So here's Obama continuing. He says, when this was investigated thoroughly the last time, the conclusion of the FBI, the conclusion of the Justice Department, the conclusion of repeated congressional investigations was that she had made some mistakes, but that there wasn't anything that was prosecutable. End quote, Mr. Obama said. And then the article goes on to talk about whether Obama is improperly criticizing James Comey. And they're saying, well, you know, he's not supposed to do that. You know, he says, uh, and, and here's Obama himself trying to defend himself and making these remarks. He says that he had, quote, made a very deliberate effort to make sure that I don't look like I'm meddling in what we were, what are supposed to be independent processes for making these assessments says Obama. And then he's talking about, you know, Mrs. Clinton, Hillary Clinton. He says, I trust her. He says, I know her and I wouldn't be supporting her if I didn't have absolute confidence in her integrity and her interest in making sure that young people have a better future. End quote. So do you, first of all, do you buy that he is not 
you know, criticizing Comey directly, that he isn't meddling in these independent processes, et cetera. I, to me, I don't buy it. He is definitely criticizing. He's talking about the FBI, Justice Department, et cetera. Uh, he's also not speaking the truth, right? I don't think that the repeated congressional investigations have concluded that there isn't anything prosecutable. In fact, there was repeated questioning by Trey Gowdy and others of Comey showing that Hillary Clinton has lied about some of the pertinent facts that, you know, of this investigation. And if anything, what they've done now is they've vowed to continue these congressional hearings. So that's anything but done. Um, And then the other point here is this, right? He says it was investigated thoroughly. Yeah, maybe it was investigated thoroughly based on the evidence they had at the time, but this is potentially new evidence that is relevant to the investigation. So you can't pretend that the investigation was thorough once you know that you have new potentially relevant evidence. So, you know, if you go back to his talking point, his talking point is we don't operate on incomplete information. And what is it that Comey informed Congress of last week? He's saying, Comey is saying that when I made that announcement, I believe it was in July, when I made that announcement, yeah, it was in July because I remember I did a show about it. Uh, when I made that announcement, I was operating on incomplete information. This is what Comey told Congress last week. He, you know, he's saying I was operating on incomplete information. I couldn't have known that until now. Why? Because Anthony Weiner decided he was going to post photos of his junk and everything else and send it out to young women on the internet. You know, again, I was talking on Monday about how when I heard about the reopening of this, I said, thank God, Julian, you know, thank God for Julian Assange. And actually, we have thank God for Anthony Weiner. That's what we have to say. This is horrible that we have Anthony Weiner to thank for all of this. But we do. Thanks to Anthony Weiner, there is this potentially new relevant information, evidence that shows that in July, Comey may have been operating on incomplete information. So if Obama doesn't want Comey to operate on incomplete information, then he should realize that it was not good for him to announce that decision when he said that he wasn't going to indict Hillary Clinton, that there wasn't an indictment justified, that no reasonable prosecutor would indict, that that was done on incomplete information. And he should applaud Comey for saying, look, now I realize we were operating on incomplete information. We at the FBI do not operate on incomplete information, and therefore we have to continue the investigation in light of this potentially new relevant evidence. That's what he was doing. So, Obama, I'm afraid that your attempt to criticize Comey for, quote, operating on incomplete information does not work because that's exactly what he was doing. He was saying, look, in the past, I operated on incomplete information. I've got a call here over on the switchboard. I'm going to go ahead and grab it. I think I know who it might be. Hi, who's this? Hey, this is Ed, Amy. How you doing? Haven't talked to you in a I while. I thought it was Ed. I thought it was Ed based on area code. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, sorry about the noise. The quick do something. I didn't know when you were going to uh, grab me. Um, yeah, I know. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really devious that way. What my goal 
is to bring people on the air when they are in the middle of chewing something, right? Well, yeah, I was, uh, I was making cat food, actually. Uh, oh, cats, okay. Well, there's that, too. Feeding the, the cats The cats good. want their food, right? And when they want it, when they want it, and they're going to make your life a living hell if you don't give it to them exactly right. when they want it. So um, Comey, this is very interesting. Comey was lying in the, uh, last July, and he's lying today. Uh, that is mm. Occam's razor on this situation. You even had a person come on your show who was a prosecutor and said, I forget the name of the gentleman, but he said, uh, all the prosecutors were just laughing about no reasonable prosecutor would have taken this case because right. we all have taken it. And you yes. can read the various laws and see that she's guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, even only on the things she admits to. Not, n- not anything else, not anything on the Wiener stuff, not anything that the FBI investigated. If you just say what she's stipulated, she's guilty. So there's no question. Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, people, people who have parsed the applicable statutes say that this issue of intent is phony, that you don't even have to have it. Yeah. And, no. and, that mo- and that moreover, there has been plenty out there that shows intent because, for example, she has um, you know, concealed things and uh, yeah. lied in an exculpatory way and all this kind of stuff, which shows intent. Sure. So, I mean, that, that, that's, that's number one. So why did he lie in July? Uh, I've read a number of articles on this. The more often, you know, the more often stated was that uh, he was told by Loretta Lynch that she was not going to prosecute. And so, you know, that he can't, he, he can, you know, he can recommend charges and then Loretta Lynch not prosecute and cause a big thing, or he can just, you know, not say anything, which was the, you know, was if, if we lived in a country of, with the rule of law, that's what he said. He would just not said anything, both then and now. Um, but he he decided to sort of try and split the middle, try and maintain a little bit of integrity by laying out the case against Clinton and then saying that. Um, no reasonable prosecutor would do it. Yeah. I mean, that was the which, strangest which thing about that announcement because he lays out this prima facie case and then announces, nope, no reasonable prosecutor would do it. Now, what I've read in an interesting article, I, I forget where, I apologize, um, was that he was getting a lot of pushback from the uh, underlings in, in the FBI. In fact, that, that could have were, been um, Ed. Uh, I'm going to pat my own back here because I actually shared an article to that effect from the Daily Mail on my program yes, notes the Daily for Monday. Mail article, that's where mm-hmm. I read it. Yes, absolutely. It was getting a lot of pushback from uh, people who may have, were thinking of quitting and, and, and having a big press conference um, before the election and unless he did something. And so um, he got – he had to do something. And, and they didn't close the investigation last July. That's the other thing. It's like, oh, now the investigation is closed. No, it wasn't closed. And right. so he lied there, too. And so I think it's all him trying to save face in a weird, bizarre way. I, I, I'm not saying I'm defending any of his actions because, let's face it, if you are a high-level political appointee in our federal government, you are a lying, corrupt sociopath. <laughs> there, there is... There is no way 
There is no way uh, to get that job. That is that is so depressing, Ed. That is so depressing. And and the problem and is is that I half believe you. At least half believe you. Yeah. So I I think the pressure from under and and the other thing that I think it was either in the Daily Mail that have to get to the British press to find out what's going on in American politics uh, was so the fact that it was the Clinton Foundation that is under four separate criminal investigations in four okay. separate uh, uh, federal attorneys. Now, I, I hadn't heard that, District but what I had, I had heard, I had heard, you know, at least about one investigation and that the DOJ is trying to squelch it, right? That's right. So, yeah. I, you know, the, the U.S. prosecutors are relatively independent. They can be fired by the president, but they're not necessarily directable by the attorney general. And so, I mean, there's all sorts of politics and, and you know, there's, there's Jim Taggart, Wesley Mooch stuff that goes on, but that doesn't mean there's explicit um, control. So if these investigations are going on with the Clinton Foundation, I, I think we all know all the crimes the Clinton Foundation has engaged in over the years. Um, a lot of pay to play, a lot of pay to play. Yep. A lot of pay to play, a lot of... Um, you know, outright bribery, the, the uranium, uh, you know, the uranium mm-hmm. deal. Various yeah, you know, Wiki, WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks put out this amazing tweet. I don't know if you saw it. Let me see if I can go grab it. Um, I should have actually shared it in my little program notes. Let me find it. And it, it they address this issue, you know, because everyone's out there saying, oh, you know, Donald Trump is corrupted or linked to the Russians or something like that. And they're saying, no, you know, it's not that Donald Trump has these leaks or, you know, this, these links to Russia. Actually, God, WikiLeaks is so busy today. I'm having to scroll, scroll, scroll. But they're saying, no, you know, there's no link there between the Russians and, and Trump. But what you need to worry about is the sale of 20 percent of American uranium to the Russians, thanks to Clinton and Podesta. Right. Yeah, and and Bill Clinton, um, Bill Clinton went and, uh, and made that deal um, while she was Secretary of State, and then her State Department approved the deal because right. it's, uranium is obviously a strategic resource, and thus there needs to be government approval before large foreign investment in that strategic resource is made, and that approval comes from the State Department. So that's just one of the obvious criminal activities, not to mention just the simple. Uh, you know, the Moroccan King thing, uh, which has come out um, with regard to the emails. Um, I don't know whether you, you and, understand. And, that, and that's the one, that, that's the but, one where uh, he paid $12 million to get Hillary Clinton to show up somewhere? Well, that was only part of it. You see, okay. there's a Moroccan company that uh, mines, I guess mine is the correct answer, manufactures um, phosphates. Mm-hmm. And there is an American company up and coming in, I think, Florida. Again, it's a little hazy, so you'll excuse me if I get this wrong. But there's an American company. And so what happened was the American company was attacked under some um, environmental uh, leisure domain, like, you know, there, some sort of environmentalist attack on the, on the company, and the company was shut down which right. then left 
this Moroccan company, at least in the United States, in this sort of semi-monopolist uh, position. And that is what the whole Moroccan thing was, not just her showing up. It was to set up this destruction of an American company to favor this Moroccan company in this uh, particular market. Wow. Uh, so the... You know, when you hear something like that, um, and I, again, I wish I had the sources. It's not the best uh, venue for sources, unfortunately, calling into a radio show. Um, when, I, when I hear something like that, then I'm, I, I have to, you know, do anything I personally can to prevent this person from being elected. I mean, of all, all his problems, and he has legion of problems we could spend the next hour talking about his problems. No, I do and we don't want to. <laughs> that, Too depressing. I do not believe that, that Donald Trump would sell out an American company in exchange for money from a foreign government. I don't believe right. he would. Right. And, uh, and yeah, so I mean, what, I what, you know, the, the, the stuff that he wants to do is kind of go, potentially go overboard in the other direction, which is use government force in order to um, you know, keep companies here, right? Or make them come back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and again, there are so many things in our government and, and the laws and the, the tax laws specifically that the tax laws, immigration laws, all sorts of things that encourage American companies to outsource, and right. to you know move move their operations el- elsewhere. It's, and, it's and and he he's, he's promised untangle. he's promised to roll back some of that stuff, right? Yes, he Trump. has. He's promised yeah. to add new stuff, new regulations, which is bad, but he has promised to roll back some of the other regulations right. that prevent companies from making a profit in the United States. They stay in the United States, and these so, uh, you know yeah. So, so I, I mean. I'm, Reluctantly I, 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 on the Trump train, I'm the yeah. I'm, I'm the most reluctant person, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to cast the ballot. Now, are you in are you dump. in a state where it actually matters, so that if you vote for Trump, yes, it could Virginia. make a difference? Okay. Yeah, Virginia. Okay. The other thing uh, on Gary Johnson, you know, he's kind of a goofball, but I mean, nobody's going to. I'm not going to not vote for Gary Johnson because he's a goofball. After all, Trump's a goofball, and I'm just said I was going to vote for him. Right. But. Gary Johnson, uh, he has foot and mouth disease, but what's worse is he picked Bill Weld, and Bill Weld is one of the Ooh. most loathsome creatures I have ever you know, encountered I just, on the political I, I, stage. I saw, I saw a headline. I saw a headline this morning, and it was essentially that Weld is out there endorsing Hillary? Yes. You know, oh, Ugh. endorsing her character. Endorsing oh, her my character. gosh. Wow. Um, so, I mean, I think – the other thing I think about Trump, um, which is a positive, is that there's this, there's this mythology about Trump. And it's more Trump the mythological figure that deserves your vote, not Trump the actual human being. Trump the actual human being is a kind of a mess. <laughs> uh, okay. but, Trump, but Trump the mythological figure, you know, who, who wants to push back against political correctness, who wants to finally, you know, show the media up by ridiculing it and insulting it and showing its corruption. 
who wants to have a pro-American foreign policy and pro-American economic policy, um, who wants to have a, you know, an immigration strategy that, that benefits the United States rather than one specifically designed to benefit, you know, the immigrants from all over the world. Right. The, the whole drain the swamp thing that he's doing now, I think is, is extremely effective and I, I have to agree with it. I don't, you right. know, I, I don't think it's necessarily, this is Trump, the mythological figure, right? I mean, I, I don't think Trump, the actual person is going to be able to do much about drain the swamp, but at least Trump, the mythological figure is, is at least talking about it. And I, I guess finally, this, this, the drumbeat for war against Russia coming from the Democrats is so, uh, so terrifying for me. Um, the, uh, and, it, and, it, and it's, I know it's it's just trying to get themselves out of this WikiLeaks thing, but you know they're 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 beating drums against, you know in Syria against the Russians. I mean, why in the world is any American's life worth dying for to choose whichever gang of Islamic thugs runs Syria? I mean, you know, yeah. I don't know why any Americans are are, are dying about that, but right. I, I don't think. You know, it goes back to the old Clinton administration, um, the the war against Serbia. You know, all of those, oh, the Serbs are creating war crimes and it's genocide. All that's just, you know, false. Uh, you know, it never never happened. I mean, there were a lot of people killed. It was a civil war, but there was no genocide or anything. But I, according to what I've read, Bill Clinton wanted to show the Muslim world that we were on their side, and so we went in on the side of the Muslims and, uh. you know, and bombed the crap out of the Serbians. To right. try and bring up our bring up our cred with the Muslim world, like we're defending Muslims, and he, you know, he made a bad. I mean, not like Milosevic was a good guy; he was a terrible guy. I mean, they're all, you know, they're all terrible guys. But we got involved in that catastrophe. The problem is, as we all know, it's a hundred years since World War One. Serbia has been, and for over a hundred years, one of the strongest uh, Russian um, allies in the world. In fact, Russia came in on Serbia's side in World War I because of this bond of friendship between these people. And that's kind of what caused the war to escalate out of control. Um, and so that was just, you know, the Russians were a mess back then and we were stupid and, and, and they're stupid and they're run by dumb people. And so we're just going to stomp on one of their allies. They mm. didn't forget that. They didn't forget that. The okay. Russians have long memories on this. They are not, happy with the United and, and we did it for such base motives, such evil motives. I mean, yeah, nineteen ninety eight we bombed Serbia to make the Muslims happy with us. How'd that work out, right? So yeah. I, so I think I, I the Clintons really have this thing against uh, against the new Russia. I mean the Soviet Union they loved, right? But the new Russia they're not not fans of and I think it would be a disaster to get into a war with the Russians for no particular purpose. Well, and then what is it? We sell them 20% of our uranium and then we go to war with them? What is this? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, th I think Clinton will do anything for money, and that was just yet another deal, right? I mean, who, who cares, right? I mean, they, they have no principles. They're not, like, anti-Russian mm -hmm. on principle. Okay. They, they, they're, they're using the Russian thing now as a way to try and escape the WikiLeaks. Um, I've heard I mean, that is, I such a, that is such a blatant logical fallacy, this idea yeah. of 
you know, what do you, what do you call it? You call it poisoning the well, basically. You say that anything that comes out of this cannot be valid simply because it potentially comes from Russia. I don't even know if they've shown for sure that it comes from Russia. There's been, I guess, some corroboration of that. What's your, uh, you know, knowledge of the status of that, whether it actually comes from Russia? Um, I, I talked to someone who I trust in the intelligence community who thought that it probably was uh from Russia, but there's a difference between being from Russia and being a specific program of the Russian government. So one has to be kind of make sure there's a lot of independent hacker groups in Eastern Europe, Russia, China, and, you know, the anonymous group. Um, Right. And it, it, to say that they're a, a direct project of, of Russian intelligence or Chinese intelligence would be wrong. It's more difficult than that. Um, it's more complicated than that. So it, I don't know. Um, but I mean, really, you know, I, I again, know. the issue is, the issue is, are these actually the emails? And we've seen the WikiLeaks be validated time and again through the actions of the DNC, right? So the DNC has had to get rid of four people yeah. now uh, because yeah, well, I mean, the of DNC, the content of these WikiLeaks. The DNC emails, um, I, I've come to the conclusion that the DNC email leak was an insider threat, from an insider job from somebody who was unhappy with the way the DNC was treating Bernie. And it may have been that guy who got you know, murdered in Washington. That that uh, Assange pointed to. Um, I, I do think, though, that there there is evidence that someone in Eastern Europe, Russia, um, did did the Podesta hack. I, I don't think it's necessarily the case that that was the DNC hack. And to be honest, I, I don't think that these guys think the Republicans, uh, who the anonymous or the Russians, think the Republicans are good right. guys, and wouldn't in a heartbeat. Uh, release Republican emails too, if they, if they had them. Sure. So of course they would. Of course. They um, would. I mean, they, so they really I, I just think, want to, you know, validate what they're chaos. doing and bring traffic to their yeah. blog and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean, suppose it was the Russian government. What's the Russian government's interest in this? Right. I mean, obviously if you have, if you have the email of the Clinton second in command and she's going to become president, that's a huge Intel coup. Right. I mean, that's, you, you hide that and you stamp it with all sorts of code words and you never let anything out because, I mean, that's like when the United States bugged Brezhnev's limousine. We had, mm-hmm. a, we had a bug in his limousine and he would drive around and talk and we would get all this. So you're, so you're saying that if it, was, if it was the government, if it was the government, then they would actually keep a lid on these things and use it. Yeah. It, it, yeah. They would definitely keep a lid on it and use it um, because okay. that's the way the Intel game works. You don't blow your intelligence source um, just to what to, to cause chaos in the American election to, I mean, you, that, that's Intel people don't think like that. They, they think like they develop leads, they develop sources, they stamp them with code words and then they sit on them like the enigma in, in <laughs> world war two, you know, but, that we sat on all sorts of information that we could have used, but we didn't use it because 
the Germans would have found out. That's how Intel people operate. That's why so, so, you know, so it could have been inspired by the Russians or whatever, right. but I don't so think it's let, let's, let's go back. Let's go back to, to the, the election stuff. So you know, today what I'm trying to focus on here more is Obama's attempt to come in and save the day because Hillary Clinton's candidacy is, I, I would think, at risk. You think there's a good chance that Trump could win, right? I think Trump's probably going to win now. I think all the all the lines are in the right direction. Um, he could do something terrible in the next six days uh, that could change people's mind. Remember, Hurricane Sandy had a huge effect on uh, the voters uh, when uh, Chris Christie uh, hugged Obama and said, "What a great oh, gosh, job Obama yeah. was doing!" Mm-hmm. Help, you know, that was like the weekend before the election. And I, so there's always the possibility, but Trump seems to be doing things right. Clinton's in chaos. The, the things I've read are that the black enthusiasm, black enthusiasm for this election is hugely down because they don't particularly like Clinton. Um, and the black turnout being elevated was one of the key things that in 2012 pushed Obama over the top. I've also well, and and in fact, I've Trump seen is, there's um, I, you know, I don't, I'm not familiar with the the names, but there's a couple of you know, sc- sort of semi-celebrity black vloggers who are coming out in favor of Trump in really humorous ways. So, I don't know if that's having yeah. an effect or not. Yeah, but it's it's interesting well, to I mean, see. You only have, Obama got like 94 percent of the black vote. You only have to peel off maybe 10 percent and get you know 84. And, and, and that combined with the, the enthusiasm down and so the total number of black votes being down, um, that that would push the election. I, 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 used all, so, I mean, obviously, with play, pay attention on Twitter, you see all these, like, there, was more, there were more people at a Pence rally the other day than there was at a Hillary rally. Oh, that's pretty um, funny. That's pretty funny. Um, in fact, there were more people at the Pence rally than there were at the Hillary rally and the cane rally that was happening across town at the same time. So it's, I mean, the enthusiasm gap is huge. Trump for all his faults is filling these stadiums, still 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 people. Hillary talks to a hundred. And that's for free. Imagine if she was uh, charging $300,000 for her campaign speeches, how many people would show up then, you know, there's a huge enthusiasm gap. Huge enthusiasm right. gap. And so, I, and I think, so, so, so you're, you're, you're predicting that Trump's going to win. Have you bet on it in any way? Bottles of wine, dinners, money, anything like that? No, no, I'm not going to bet. And, you know, I'm not necessarily proud of myself. <laughs> I, I, I said the other day, you know, uh, quote, paraphrasing Ayn Rand's anti-Nixonites for Nixon. I, I suppose I'm an anti-Trumpite for Trump. But as soon right. as the election's over, I'm going to be a, a pro-Trumpist for keeping Trump under control, you know, that, um, <laughs> right. And, and this, no is, this is something that I want to hold Ted Cruz to account for, right? Because in his endorsement, if you call it of, of Trump, he mentions explicitly that he anticipates lawmakers on both sides of the aisle will do what's needed to keep him in check. They didn't say it exactly that way. He didn't say it exactly that way, but close. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing is like, suppose Trump wins. And, he's, and he turns out to be just as crazy as some of your listeners uh, who I correspond with think he is. The media is going to be against him. The Democrats are going to be against him. The Republicans in Congress are going to be against him. Academia is going to be against him. 
you, you name the public institution, you know, the nonprofit sector is going to be against it. Everybody's right. going to be against it. And right. how he gets away with anything would be extreme, extremely difficult. Whereas if Hillary wins, the Democrats are with her, the media is with her, the rhinos yeah. are with her. Right. Um, because right. They can't and, and, and actually, you know, just, just, just to give you latest evidence that the media is indeed with Hillary Clinton, right? So we've got today, we've got the tag team, right, on New York Times front page. We have Obama, just the report on Obama's speech where he's out there criticizing Comey, but saying that he's not interfering with this independent investigation. Ha ha, what a joke. And then, and you know, again, he's, and he's got non sequiturs as his criticism anyway. So they report on that as if it's got substance to it. And then they have this other piece and it is really blatantly biased and horrible uh, this is the New York Times, right? And, and I know you and I had a little discussion online about New York <laughs> Times and, and how horrible it is, and I should dump the New York Times. But it, it's interesting. A, sometimes they surprise you and they do something decent. But look at how yeah. blatant this re- – I'm, I'm going to tell you how blatant this reporting is. This is really starting to make me sick, actually. Uh, the headline is, FBI's email disclosure broke a pattern followed even this summer. And what they're saying is that this summer, the FBI had these two ongoing investigations. One of them was about Donald Trump's campaign, and then another one was about Hillary Clinton's relationships with donors to the Family Foundation. And the New York Times, you know, the gist of what they're saying about these two investigations is that the FBI was quiet about both of these investigations. And of course, you know, what they're trying to do in this as well is they're trying to smear Trump because they're saying, look, there was this investigation into Trump's dealings, you know, business dealings with the Ukraine. Not that they're going to tell you anything about, you know, Clinton and Podesta arranging the sale of American uranium to Russia. Oh, no, we're not going to talk about that, but we're going to talk about Trump, right? So there's, you know, there's multi-purposes for them to have this article. But they say, look, you know, there were these two investigations going on by the FBI, and the FBI was quiet about it. So why didn't they stay quiet about this one? And, you know, sometimes I don't read the whole New York Times articles that I share. That's, you know, interest of full disclosure. I actually read through this whole one, right, because I wanted to see – you know, were they really this Orwellian? And by Orwellian, I mean, you know, resembling 1984, not that Orwell. Orwell warned against this kind of stuff because what comes to mind when you see this, right? What happened this summer? Comey, they had Comey go out and do his little show where he says, look, no reasonable prosecutor would indict based on this stuff. So Comey did go public with this exact same investigation into Hillary Clinton's mishandling of classified information, right? Um, they don't yeah. mention that. They don't mention that anywhere in this article. They talk about two different investigations, one against Trump, one against Hillary Clinton. Oh, fair and balanced, right? And they say, well, look, yeah. FBI was investigating these and they didn't say anything. And that's what the honorable FBI does is that they're just quiet. Now, they don't say anything about the July announcement by Comey where no reasonable prosecutor would indict Clinton about the server. And this yeah. is so dis- so dishonest, so horrible of the of the New York Times. How dare they pretend as if that public announcement by Comey, which is really I think why he had to go forth now, that that didn't happen at all. 
and and to say that there's you know this policy no there there isn't this established policy in particular with this you know respect to this investigation so you know both obama and the new york times are trying to criticize comey on completely invalid self-contradictory arguments and they're doing it on the pages of the new york times and trying to influence voters it's really disgusting yeah i mean people have pointed you know people have pointed that out uh uh, i i pay more attention to the washington post because that's where i live the new york times but you know washington Mm -hmm. post articles this summer, you know, Hillary's health shouldn't be an issue. And then, you know, she stumbles and falls or, or whatever and passes out at the thing. It's like, Ooh, now Hillary's health is a, is a campaign issue when all of these health things have gone back years. Um, and, right. and so people will put the two articles side by side on Twitter together and say, you know, and I think trolling the media is become the new great, uh, you know, service to mankind. And so, <laughs> I, the more you control the media and show how corrupt and dishonest they are, um, I think the better. And I, you know, okay, a number so, of people now, I follow. It was that interesting. Person. You just you just said the more you can troll the media. So I'm kind of trolling the New York Times here, and this is a good thing for me to be doing. But um, yeah. when you said can troll very quickly, it sounded like control. So oh, the more you control the media. The, the, the whole point here is that I believe Hillary Clinton and or Barack Obama are exerting control over the media, and that's the thing that's dangerous here. So if we can troll in reaction to their control, then I think we're doing a good job, right? Yep. I think, uh, you know, Obama doesn't like Hillary, and Hillary doesn't like Obama. Um, mm-hmm. That's fairly – I mean, there have been books written about about the hatred for each other. Um I think Obama is, uh, you know, wants leftism though, and so that's he's he's campaigning for, you know, not Republicans, and and even if it means putting Hillary into the Oval Office, he's going to do it. But he hasn't done it strongly. You haven't seen him out every single day, you know, campaigning in all the battleground states with Hillary, right? You haven't seen right. the two of them up on stage together holding up. Their hands, you know. Right, but did you did you see this today? Right, Um, Obama was campaigning in Ohio today for Hillary Clinton, and did you see this? Mm -hmm. So he says uh, 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 to the guy. I've been working most of the day, so. Oh, okay. No, so so here he is, right? And and so this is the second front on which he's decided he's going to go out there and campaign for Hillary Clinton. He says, he says to the guys out there, I want to be honest. He says, you know, there's a reason why we haven't had a woman president before. And I think sometimes we're trying to get over the hump. This guy is just speaking gibberish as far as I can tell. This is what he says. He says, I want every man out there who's voting to kind of look inside yourself and ask yourself, if you're having problems with this stuff, I guess this stuff being voting for Hillary, how much of it is, you know, that we're just not used to it, end quote. This is a really roundabout, vague, lame way for him to say, if you're not voting for Hillary Clinton, you are a sexist, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's Obama off the teleprompter. And, you know, I don't know anybody, and I, I, you know, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of right-wing friends. I have a lot of objectivist friends. I don't know any one of them who would say, oh, my God, Carly Friarina is the 
Republican candidate. I could never vote for her because she's a woman. <laughs> or right. I don't know one of them who would have said, you know, uh, oh, my God, Ben Carson, that black guy, I'll never vote for a black guy. Not one of them, not a single person um, would have said that. Or, you know, Ted Cruz, oh, that's Hispanic. I would never vote for Hispanic. I don't know a single person who, on the right who would say that. But the right. left is so enthralled to identity politics. It so completely encompasses everything that they want. They, you know, it's the, they're, they're going to want a, a black president and a woman president, and they'll have a, a Asian, lib, all liberal, of course, Asian president, a Hispanic president, gay president, feminist president, you know. I mean, right. they're all consumed with identity politics. And I think that is another reason to vote for Trump, the mythological figure, because he is Trump, the mythological figure is having none of the identity politics. So I think that's, uh, or the political correctness that goes along with it. So I think that's another sort of positive. Right, right. In his, so, in his so, so, I mean, so you don't see, for example, this working this late stage, right? Where he's saying, okay, you know, don't, listen to the guy behind the curtain or, or don't look for the guy, right? You know, the, the fact that there's an investigation against this woman, that there's all kinds of evidence out there that she is corrupt. In fact, I want to get to a little bit more of the evidence in a minute. Some people have also been talking about it here in the, in the chat room. You know, if you want evidence that there was intent for her to cover up her misuse of classified information, all you have to do is look at one of the latest WikiLeaks emails in which they explicitly discuss, quote, dumping emails yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna no, get you know you, get you to that know, in a bit but they're saying lawyer, right? no no don't I, listen to that you're a sexist if you don't vote for hillary clinton i mean i have a security clearance right so i know the rules we have training every year every year it's the same training it gets drilled into you you have 25 years of the security clearance you know the rules and you know the penalties and you know what's going to happen you know what you have to do you know what happens if you don't do it everything you don't need intent you don't need intent right. to um be strict Fired and stripped of your clearance is the first thing they do, right? I mean, they, you know, that, then there may be you know, criminal prosecution as well, you, right? Yeah. You know, if, you're, if, you, if, if you really show a pattern or, you know, a, um, a, uh, you, know you really show that, you know, you intended to do this, um, you didn't, and, or if you lied, right? If you, you can't ever lie to the security people. If you, the first time you lie, you're gone, you're fired, you're done, you never and Hillary has Again. lied. She has lied to these people, these investigators. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, it's, this whole discussion of intent is ridiculous. There's, you don't need to prove intent to strip her of her security clearance and have her not eligible for any position of trust in the United States government. Um, that's, that's, just, that's an administrative thing. I mean, that, you don't even need to... Uh, go to court with that and okay. and that if, if i had done one one zillionth of what she had done that would have been what happened to me immediately fired no security clearance out right um, now um so I, so you yeah. do you think do you think though that obama is going to be effective in distracting people from the evidence of of hillary clinton's corruption that's out there now i mean he's saying okay yeah. um you're a sexist the other thing he's talking about is that if you would vote for Donald Trump, in effect, you are voting for the 1%. You know, you shouldn't vote for someone who's rich or a celebrity. He says Donald Trump wouldn't let you into one of his hotels unless you were cleaning the room. So he's trying to incite 
the spirit of class warfare that he's done so many times throughout his presidency and incite people against Donald Trump because Donald Trump is rich and a celebrity. You think any of that will work? Well, I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, again, he's trying to enthuse the black vote. Uh, he may be talking to some white guilt out there, uh, you know, um, trying, you know, because he was elected, you know, primarily because of the economic disaster. But a, a lot of white guilt is like, you know, we've, you know, we've treated black people so badly, so let's expiate this guilt by voting for this black guy. So, I mean, he, he, he capitalizes on white guilt and black turnout. So that, that's what he's trying to do, white guilt and black turnout. And to okay. a certain extent, yeah, he'll, he'll have some effect, but it's probably small. It's pretty late in this. And, it, you know, again, Hillary could win because you never know. Something might happen. But generally speaking, those of us like myself who are undecided late in the game, and this is like the first election I've ever been undecided this late in the game, right. um, tend to vote overwhelmingly for the new guy rather than the establishment. Okay. And I think that's what we're seeing in the polls now. People are breaking towards Trump. As long as Trump keeps his mouth shut for, you know, for the next six days and doesn't say something completely, completely crazy or stupid, which he has a want to do, I think that it's, it's in the bag. Or if there isn't any last-ditch uh, you know, an announcement about him out there in the media, too, there might be a November surprise, right, that, that we haven't seen yet. So yeah. Too. I think, so, so, I think so if they you, had something, they would have come back here. Will you come back here next Wednesday and we'll chat and see whether your prediction comes true? It's going to be interesting to see one way or the other. I uh, I will still or be we'll a bit scared. Yeah. Oh, because or it's going to be so close know. that we're not going to even know on the Wednesday next week who won. Is that it? Yeah. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That could happen, I suppose. But sure, right. I'll, I'll call. I'll call back in if I can. I don't know what I'm doing next Wednesday, but I'm, if I can, I will. I don't think any of us know what we're doing next Wednesday. We did, we don't even know what the world looks like after this election. It's just been such a strange thing. Okay, but, yeah, um, anything else? Anything, anything else before I let you go? Because I gotta get on to this no, program. No, that's it. Thank you again. Get okay, well, thank you, Ed. And yeah, as I said, maybe we'll talk next week or the week after and see whether your prediction has come true. I guess I feel like I should have put some money or some wine or some food or something on that in terms of a bet, but it's not like I want to bet for or against. I'm, I, I feel like a passive observer at this point. It's a little bit sad to, uh, to think about this. So let me go. Oh yeah. Let me, let me continue a little bit with Obama speaking about, you know, that you're a sexist if you, vote for Donald Trump against Hillary Clinton, or if you do, at least if you don't vote for Hillary Clinton, whoever you vote for, if you don't vote for Hillary Clinton, you are a sexist, uh, that you shouldn't vote for Donald Trump because after all, he's rich and a celebrity and he'd never let you into one of his hotels. So he's inciting class warfare. He's inciting guilt about your sexism that must be within you if you decide you're not going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Uh, and then he, he talks about, you know, the what the office of president does. He says the only thing that the office of president does, he says, it amplifies who you are. It magnifies who you are. It shows who you are. He says if you disrespected women before you were elected, you will disrespect women once you're president. End quote. Now, I obviously don't want to have a president, you know, watch him disrespect women. This is not 
a goal, but of course, think about magnifying Hillary Clinton, right? So let's just plug Hillary Clinton into that equation. If she's corrupt, which we have seen plenty of evidence that she is corrupt, that she has done pay to play, that she has given access to foreign nationals when doing so would enrich her and her husband. We have seen this. If this is going to be amplified, that's really, really scary because it's already been quite scary what she's been willing to do and put our national security at risk, um, you know, put our interests at risk for the sake of her convenience, you know, in the case of the email server, at least her convenience uh, or enrichment, like I said, to herself. So, so yeah, you could, you can plug Hillary into this equation of the, the office of preg, you know, president magnifying who the person is and say the same thing about Hillary Clinton. And then he says, we always want to see the new shiny object. And so Hillary Clinton has been in effect beaten up all these years uh, by the political process, the toxic political environment, as he puts it, he says, Hillary Clinton is consistently treated differently than just about any other candidate I see out there. End quote. He said, now, could she be being treated differently because she is more corrupt, at least in recent history, than any other candidate out here, out there, that that's why she's being treated differently? Um, you know, could it be that because she helped to rig her own primary and make sure that she won over Bernie Sanders in a way that was not fair, that's another reason that she's being treated differently? So, you know, the, he's trying to say it's all because of sexism, but he is glossing over the substantive reasons. He says, has she made mistakes? He says, of course, so have I. He says, there's nobody in the public arena over the course of 30 years that doesn't make some. He says, but she is a fundamentally good and decent person who knows what she's doing and will be an outstanding president, end quote. So you're supposed to take his word for it. She is a fundamentally good and decent person, according to Barack Obama. And so you should just take his word for it. Vote for her. Don't think, don't read all the evidence that is out there. Just don't be a sexist. Don't be a sexist. That's going to be the thing that is the rallying cry. And, you know, actually, if you go to the New York Times, and I actually found this this morning, I posted a little screen grab on the Don't Let It Go On Her page on Facebook, where I you know, I posted a link to this speech by Obama, the ABC News story about this speech by Obama, because, you know, this idea that you're going to invoke sexism is the reason that people won't vote for Hillary Clinton. It's such a horrible, predictable tactic. But look what the New York Times did. Again, playing tag team. On two different fronts, the New York Times has played tag team with Barack Obama. Earlier, I talked about the article that they brought in in support of Obama's attack on Comey. Here, what you've got is a, uh, you know, attributing the anti-Hillary criticism to sexism as well. Uh, if you go to a little section in New York Times called anti, excuse me, editorial notebook, it's called editorial notebook. They have uh, a little article with the headline on anti-Hillary slurs. And the subhead is their language reminds women of what we've been through. And then there's another piece called Hillary's male tormentors, right? 
How convenient that these two pieces just happen to be published in New York Times today when Obama is on the trail saying that particularly men, if you're not voting for Hillary Clinton, you are a sexist. That's the message that we're getting. I'm going to zoom over to the chat room at Blog Talk Radio and see what's going on. I do have another call that I can try to take as well. Uh, Tim Peck in the chat room is saying, isn't this an example of what Ayn Rand called argument from intimidation? Only a sexist would not vote for Hillary. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, the idea that you could actually have a valid reason for not voting for Hillary is automatically dismissed. You are from the outset labeled as a horrible sexist simply because you hold that position that you are not voting for Hillary, that your actual reason for not voting for Hillary is never discussed. Vote for genitals instead of color says freedom breeze. Yeah, that's what, you know, before it was color. Now vote for genitals. That's what it's going to be. Sir DMZ is say that Hillary has a history of covering up Bill's history of raping women. Let's see that amplified. Yeah, that would be nice to do in the last few days. <laughs> Tim in the chat room says, in terms of guilt, he says, I only feel guilty about my haircut in the 70s. Yeah, for me, it's haircut, clothes, all kinds of stuff. Actually, I couldn't feel guilty for what was I was wearing in the 70s because my mom orchestrated it all back in the 70s. But it, I was embarrassed, maybe not guilty, but I, I was embarrassed. Cobra pilot in the chat room says, I live in a Republican majority state. And there he says, you see lots of Trump yard signs. I used to see a few Bernie signs, but I do not see any Hillary signs. Yeah, there is a lot more enthusiasm about Trump for sure. Is that going to translate into people at the polls? Or do you have a lot of people who, you know, on the left who are voting for Hillary Clinton out of duty? They don't want to be sexist, et cetera. I did talk about on Monday, I have a homosexual friend who is using whatever following he has out there on social media to try to get people to vote for Hillary Clinton. And um, actually, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if this person actually unfriended me on Facebook because I haven't heard anything from him um, for a couple of days and that actually could have happened. No, no, still friends. He's still friends with me, even though I've questioned him. He hasn't answered me, but I'm still friends with him. So it's nice, it's nice to know, at least, that when I'm politely questioning him, he is, he is not unfriending me. All I did was suggest, why not Johnson? If you're for homosexual rights, why not Johnson? I am still undecided, by the way, Ed, after our phone call, whether I'm going to go ahead and vote for Johnson Wells. And other people can talk to me about that as well. So let me get back over to the blog and see what other important things I wanted to talk to you about there. Again, the blog is don'tletitgo.com, and that's where I put program notes for our shows. Interesting little story that's come out. And is this showing that maybe there is some modicum of integrity for Comey? Again, I'm defending Comey against Barack Obama's charge that Comey is acting on so-called incomplete information. Because what I'm saying is that Comey's letter amounts to him telling Congress that back in July, when they were announcing the decision not to indict, that they were then operating on incomplete information. 
No, we don't want our law enforcement to operate on incomplete information. And so now when Comey is realizing that back in July he was operating on incomplete information, he should take steps to remedy that. He should tell Congress and the American people, because we are going through this very important of exercise of voting for a president, it is relevant to know whether there's potential evidence in this investigation of her mishandling of classified information. Uh, the other thing that has happened this week, and this is a Yahoo News article. I believe I do have somebody to thank for this. Is it perhaps? Yes, William Bush. Thank you for sending this article along. Headline, FBI surprises with files on Clinton 01-2001 pardon of Mark Rich. Some of you may remember this, that on the last day of office, Clinton, then President William Jefferson Clinton, pardon a whole bunch of people. They say uh, the FBI expectedly, uh, excuse me, expectedly, unexpectedly released 129 pages of documents related to an investigation closed without charges in 2005 into President Bill Clinton's pardon of Mark Rich, who had been married to a wealthy Democratic donor. So this looks just stinky on the face of it, right? Bill Clinton, very last minute, pardons Mark Rich. There had been an investigation going on. It was closed without charges because of this pardon. And Mark Rich, the subject of the investigation, had been married to a wealthy Democratic donor. They say the file was posted online Monday, received little attention until the FBI noted it in a tweet. So think about this, right? They not only publicized it, they put it out there Monday, I think in part because I think Comey's trying to protect himself in certain ways or maybe just go out there and, and double down in terms of giving out there all the relevant information that voters should look at before they decide whether to vote for Hillary Clinton. Any event, so they, they posted it online and then also noted it in a tweet Tuesday afternoon, yesterday afternoon. They say it comes as director James Comey faces fire from Democrats and even some Republicans for releasing information about his renewed investigation into her use of email. They say the unusual timing of the release was the result of a FOIA request that had been completed and was posted under standard FBI practice. And this is according to a law enforcement official who asked not to be identified. So it's all just part of standard practice. It was a FOIA request. But then the Clinton campaign spokesman Brian Fallon said on Twitter, quote, Absent a FOIA litigation deadline, this is odd. So they're trying to, again, criticize based on procedure. Don't look at the substance. Let's just criticize the FBI, criticize Comey based on procedure. They say the investigation stemmed from one of several pardons that Clinton made on the last day of his presidency in 2001, that of financier and international fugitive Mark Rich, whose ex-wife Denise had given to Democratic National Committee and the entity that would later become the Clinton Foundation. So she had donated to both. Comey had a role in this, though. They say while the files may seem dated, they invoke figures beyond the Clintons who went on to play key roles in official Washington, including Comey himself. He had served as a prosecutor in charge of a legal case against Rich from 1987 to 1993. As the U.S. attorney in Manhattan in 2002, Comey took over a criminal investigation of Clinton's pardons. Said Comey, quote, I was 
stunned, end quote, at the rich pardon. And Comey wrote this in a letter to lawmakers in 2008. Also playing roles in this were Attorney General Eric Holder. He was a deputy attorney general who was advising on the pardon requests. And also the SEC Commission Chairwoman Mary Jo White. She was a U.S. prosecutor. So it's relevant to all of these people who either recently or are now in positions of power in the government. Congressional investigation later found that Clinton did not follow standard protocol. However, they said they didn't have any proof of a quid pro quo. Denise Rich invoked her constitutional right against self-incrimination during the investigation. They couldn't get information from her. Her ex-husband, Mark, died in 2013, so we can't get any more information from him. FBI notes, they say, which are heavily redacted, suggest that protocol wasn't followed, but give little new information into the pardon dispute. Now, why is the FBI reviving the rich pardon now? The Clinton Foundation spokesman asked on Twitter, quote, will the FBI be posting docs on Trump's housing discrimination in the 1970s, end quote. Isn't that interesting that they're trying to make that comparable? Suppose that Trump did engage in housing discrimination in the 1970s. That is not comparable to using executive power in order to achieve an unjustified pardon of a criminal. Not at all comparable. Now, we might say, okay, housing discrimination, if it's based on the race or sex or sexual orientation or any of these things, we might say it's immoral, but at least that Trump had a right to do that. There is absolutely no right to pardon criminals, to use your presidential power to pardon criminals uh, apart from protocol. And, and it, you know, it's really funny that they're saying, okay, oh, you know, FBI is violating protocol by releasing this stuff pursuant to the FOIA request. Um, Clinton himself violated protocol with respect to something far more important. So that's out there as well. Is anyone going to listen to it? I don't know. There's all this discussion out there that everyone's opinion about the two candidates is frozen, that nobody can be persuaded one way or the other. But we're going to see soon whether any of this has an effect on the election. Ah, Trevor joined us in the chat room. Hello, Trevor. Good to see you there. Ed in the chat room, Ed, who called earlier, he says, remember all polls until the final weekend are push polls. Polling organizations are judged solely by how close their final poll is. None of the intermediate ones. So that's why the poll gap is closing rapidly now. Oh, that's an interesting explanation for it. So it's not necessarily that there is true shift in momentum out there towards Trump. It's that before all of the media outlets were trying to help Hillary by having these polls that make it look like she's winning, but as they're going to be judged by how accurate their final poll is, they figure, okay, we better actually accurately portray how close this race is, or, you know, maybe it's even out there in favor of Trump. We don't even know. Everyone in the chat room is talking about this, you know, push to go to war. That is one thing against Hillary Clinton, right? Some people say, well, it's good that she's sort of hawkish. Maybe she's actually going to defend us. But is she going to do what she has this track record of doing, which is to get us into wars that are not in our, sat, our excuse me, our national self-interest? Can you say Libya, for example? 
What are we doing in Syria, by the way? Are we achieving anything there? I do not think we are. Let me quickly try to take this one phone call that's on the switchboard, and then I'm going to have to get off and, and get through a few of these program notes, but I just wanted to at least give you a shot. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hi, Amy. It's Mike Kralis. How are you? I'm doing okay. I haven't heard from you in a long time. How are you? Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. Good, thanks. Uh, I just uh, had, I was listening, I've been listening, I guess, for about 20 minutes or a half hour. And mm-hmm. I just <clears throat> had to call in to comment. Oh, it's great to see, nice to hear Tim Peck is in the chat room. It's great to see a, uh, a fellow Tam uh, in the chat room there for you, which is nice. Definitely. Uh, but in, uh, talking about, uh, I, I forget who who you were quoting, talking about Trump treating women badly when he's in the White House. That's Obama. Uh, that's Obama. Uh, Obama, Obama, Obama said that. Oh, yeah. that's just rich. That's your love. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if the president is up on his recent American history. We've already had one of those. We've had plenty we've of had those, apparently. Yeah, right? we've already we've already had a president in the last thirty years who treats women like garbage. Right. And it's the husband of the Democrat candidate. There's uh, that too. So yes. yeah, it's the all, all the all the all the rhetoric spewing from these people is just so rich. It's like it's like. Uh, it's like it's, they always act like someone else has been in charge the last eight years other than them. Like they just so, walk so, into this and go, so Mike, how did you, this happen? You, we don't understand. Yeah. You and I haven't discussed your voting strategy. So so what are you doing for voting? Are, are you going to share it with people? Or are you going to keep it private? Are you still undecided? How are you doing? Well, since, since, you, since you asked, and I, 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 I trust your uh, – well, I, I know you a little bit, and I know you're smart, and I know you uh, – I know you care. Uh, uh, so, no, I'm, 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 I'm voting for Trump. Okay, so you're going to vote for Trump. Now, yes. in, in the state of California, where I am, I have the luxury of, you know, not necessarily having to vote for Trump. Uh, and actually, if I vote for Trump, it wouldn't even do any good because Hillary Clinton is going to win in my state no matter what. How is it in your state? Is it like that you have to... Um, no, well, I'm, I'm in I'm in uh, I'm in the Los Angeles area as well. Okay, so you're and, also uh, in, in in my area. Um, I I could have yeah. maybe guessed that from your area code, but I wasn't necessarily <laughs> going to talk about that on air. And sometimes people keep their area codes from their old cell phones and stuff like that when they move to different. Oh places, yeah, oh so. sure. No, no, yeah. no. I'm 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 more than happy to say I live uh, I live in. Uh, SoCal. I live about 15 minutes from downtown LA. So, uh, lived here for 25 years now. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, but, uh, if, if, if me voting for Trump, well, I, I, I can't personally just from my own standpoint, I can't vote for anyone else. There's okay. no one else out there. No one else out there comes close to reflecting what I think and what I believe. Uh, now, when when uh, Cruz when Cruz was in the game, would you have been for him or not? Uh, Cruz was my first choice. Okay, okay, uh, but then my, since he's my, out now, the, you're going for Trump. Yeah, this uh, I I went I went I, I kind of went down the list as the race went as the primary season went on. Uh, my my first ticket would have been Cruz Fiorina. 
Yeah, uh, I, I think I would have been much happier voting for that. I mean, you think about this, right? If you're thinking about whether you're going to vote for Hillary Clinton or not, um, we could have, but for Hillary Clinton, right? There's now been evidence that she has helped manipulate the primaries, the nominating processes oh, yeah. of, and she's nom- she's she manipulated her own, right? You know, she took those questions from you know, Donna Brazile and stuff. And, and she, Mm -hmm. um, you know, she helped the, the media, you know, or she actually encouraged the media to do things to help her. The DNC Mm -hmm. process was corrupt and everything. So we didn't get Sanders because of her. And also there was evidence out there that she helped Trump gain the nomination because she knew that she could defeat Trump, or at least she thought she could defeat Trump. So imagine that, you know, without Hillary Clinton, we may have had Sanders versus Cruz. And while Cruz is far from, in my opinion, well, not too far, but he, he's, he's fairly far from the ideal intellectual, you know, on, on issues of individual rights, right? He's got a lot of things I, I disagree with. Imagine how intellectual the debates would have been, though, between Sanders and Cruz. They would have been the closest to principal debates based on real political theory then we could have had and what do we have now it's all about corruption and you know which one's yeah, the worst well, one and everything something right yeah something something like uh cruz sanders that would have been maybe the starkest uh contrast in terms of uh in terms of presidential candidates into maybe mm. probably in my lifetime i'm in my mid-50s Okay. Uh, and and my first the first vote I ever cast was for Ronald Reagan in 1980. Yeah. And, uh, okay. Never 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 more proud to vote twice for president in my whole life than I was in 1984. Still wow. to this day. And uh, Cruz uh, Cruz wasn't perfect, but uh, Cruz, uh, for all his faults, is wicked smart. Okay. And now, by, so- by 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 all objective accounts, he's so smart, and I think. Personally, part of his lack of appeal uh, is is something I've sort of a, a theory I've kind of come to as I've gotten older, and that is the smarter people are, the more turned off other people are by that person because that person is so smart they just don't connect somehow <laughs> with 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 people. Yeah, and, and, I've and, I've, um, I've 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 heard some of that before. You know, if you're if you're too intellectual, and, uh, well, I, yeah, yeah, and again, uh, because. Uh, because uh, I've, I've I've known I've known and worked for some amazingly smart people, uh, right. but luckily they're they've been really down to earth and really uh, relatable. But you know I've known people too who are really smart and have no ability to connect on an interpersonal level, almost at all with other people. Sure, sure that and, that, that and, can that can happen as well. So. Um, Mike, I do have to go because I want to get to other program notes, but I was going to ask you, so you're going to, you're voting Trump. What's your prediction? Do you yes. think he's going to win? Uh, I, I, people are still calling it a coin flip. I, 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 I think Trump has a better than coin flip shot at winning, to be honest. I think, okay. uh, I think he has a real shot. And what you were talking about earlier about more, more stuff coming out about Trump from the Democrats. I think they're out of gas. I think they're out of cards. That's okay. why they're flailing the way they are now. And that's why they're saying stuff that is so blatantly outrageous and such amazing projection that anyone with an IQ of a room temperature listens to it and goes, you've got to be kidding me. That, that, right. that's, that's all you have left? Yep, yep. 
I agree. Okay, well, we're going to see, and, and thanks, Mike, for calling in, and I hope you will call in next week after we have the results and see what we actually think of it, depending on what comes out. Uh, what do we got here going on in the chat room? Often heard, you always analyze things, says Tim. Yeah, people are, I again, I've, I've had this in my history. I don't necessarily think of myself as, a major intellectual, but certainly I will overanalyze things and I'm guilty of that. And I will come across sometimes as making obtuse arguments and people will get intimidated by that. Maybe I'm not clear enough. People say, Oh, she's in the clouds. I, you know, in any event, we can take that up another day. What is he saying? It was that Ted Cruz is out because of hatred of the good in effect. Um, I want to call your attention to things over in the program notes at the blog. First of all is the Jonathan Honig piece, Why Hillary Clinton Has My Vote. And Jonathan argues, you know, convincingly that if Hillary Clinton is in office and everything goes to hell in a handbasket, which it probably will, that the blame will not be on capitalism because she is the one in office with Trump being a businessman and representing capitalism and stuff that it's more likely to have capitalism be blamed under him. Um, And that, you know, is kind of the main thrust, but there's a lot of people who say, look, we, I mean, first of all, you can't vote for Hillary Clinton because she's so corrupt. I just can't vote for her. Now, in my state, I've got the luxury of not voting for her and knowing that she's going to win my state anyway. I've talked about that. But, you know, the other thing to think about is this. Are we at an end stage? And this is everybody's own personal evaluation to make. Do Jonathan Honig's arguments hold up now that we should do now as we've done in the past and vote for the candidate that's not going to pollute the reputation of capitalism when everything goes to hell? Or are things so bad now that if Hillary Clinton gets into office, there's not going to be any long term because of risk to Second Amendment rights, First Amendment rights? And I've talked about, you know, the fact that she plans to stack the Supreme Court, if she can, in favor of so-called voter rights and make sure that we can continue to elect Democrats into the future. It's going to be a very personal decision because I agree that people will blame Donald Trump. Actually, they'll blame capitalism for things that Donald Trump does. I agree that that's a real danger. But then as also, we've talked about this in the past, we can go out there and do an education campaign and talk about why what Donald Trump is doing is not capitalism, exactly why it's not, and continue to educate. It may indeed be so bad with Hillary Clinton's policies that we have to take end-stage stuff into account. Uh, There's a little link about a California proposition, Proposition 53, that Jerry Brown thinks is so bad that he's got to go out there and oppose it on video as I understand it, again, it's Proposition 53, and what the proposition does is it requires voter approval before the state can issue bonds for any project over $2 billion that is financed with user fees such as tolls. Um, there's a wealthy farmer, Dean Cortopasi, who is a champion of Proposition 53, they say if this is passed, it could derail two of Mr. Brown's signature initiatives, the high-speed rail line, which is going to be a boondoggle, 
and two water tunnels near Sacramento, projects that I don't know about. But what I do know about is, yes, you would want more voter approval required before there are big spending on projects. I and myself would then therefore vote at a yes on 53. Of course, I might blindly vote yes for anything that Jerry Brown opposes. So check that out. There is an article that was passed on to me by Al Meyer. Awarding kids for participation is not the best way to build confidence. And it talks about in that article the importance of teaching kids that failure is an important part of learning lessons in life. You know, when you go out there and you have a goal and for whatever reason you have not been able to achieve it, to figure out exactly why, what you, what you did right, but what you could have done differently, what you could do better the next time in order to achieve your goals, that that's an important thing that you cannot learn if you're always given a participation ribbon. And then finally, I'm going to end off on some really good news. Thanks to Brooke Goldstein out on Twitter. Headline, Israeli scientists see breakthrough in AIDS cure. There is a drug that's being tested by Israeli scientists. It causes HIV-infected cells to self-destruct without harming the rest of the body. So imagine you've got a drug in effect, you know, a chemotherapy that will just get those HIV-infected cells to self-destruct and will not harm the rest of the body. So thank you to the Israeli medical researchers who are making this possible. Go to DontLetItGo.com to read all about it, to comment. If you want to go ahead and follow the blog and keep track of when I'm going to be live on the air, get the program notes in your email, etc. do all of that at DontLetItGo.com. And I will speak to all of you on Monday. So we still have one more show before the election where I can get my last digs in at you. And I will talk to you then. Take care, everyone.